20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into the Thursday edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. It is now officially draft season. So uh, joining me is Dusty Evely. Dusty, what's going on? Nothing, Steve. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> good work. Now. Oh, I, that appreciate, was that good? I appreciate the fake enthusiasm. <laughs> uh, we're just going to keep moving on. And uh, no Sarah for this month. We've got uh, our special guest joining us, who is a somebody who awesome to follow on Twitter because he's got some great dra- draft mm-hmm. knowledge. Is Tyler Grizoric. Yeah, right. Grizoric. Ah, damn it. So close. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Dusty. I, I, somebody I, listened to I asked him how to say it before, before we even started, and I wrote it down, and I was looking at it, and I still screwed it up. So No, it's all good. All right. So we have never talked to Tyler before. I have never talked to Tyler before. So before we get into Packers talk, because uh, there's actually some pretty good stuff to talk about today uh, for an off offseason, mm-hmm. um, we need to get to know Tyler. So before we can even move forward, Tyler, please discuss with Dusty and I, what is your favorite Oreo cookie? Oh, oh toughest question right out, right out the bat. <laughs> um, I prepared for like three hours, which we're going to talk about. And this, this is not one of those things that I took notes <laughs> on. Um, so, I, you know, pre-recording discussions, I feel like if I answer this incorrectly, I might just get booted from the recording real quick. So, um, (laughs) I, you know, I'm going to kind of take a, probably a really poorly received stance on all of this. Cookies that much. So, So, you know, it was a good run. Tyler. I really appreciate (laughs) it. Thanks. Thanks for Tyler for stopping by. Uh, We really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I just don't even really eat Oreos. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with the regular because original is always yeah. best. That's a good, yeah. Good, All right. Good, he good, saved good. it. Steve, he came back, came back strong. All right, that's cool. Thanks, <laughs> All right, Tyler. All right, so now, now getting to know him a little bit more into the sports world, I want to talk to you two uh, about Bryce Harper because Bryce Harper had an epic bat flip, mm. and I am all about bat flips. I want more of them. I love seeing them. So Tyler, lead us off. Dusty, follow us up. But give me your quick your quick take on bat flips yay or nay uh i think that they are i think that bryce harper's was incredibly warranted so <laughs> doing it every every time they hit a home run but you know sometimes it's definitely worthy of it i'm i'm very much pro bat flip very, okay. very much pro. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm kind of with Tyler. Like, if it's, I don't know, like a solo shot in the top of the first, maybe let's cool it, everybody. Like, just it's fine. Like, unless, like, unless it's your first one and you're excited. If you were like, like Juan Pierre and you had hit one in ten years and then you finally hit one, like that's cool. You do it, man. You do whatever you want to do. But yeah, I mean, that was man. He was getting, getting booed mercilessly all game. Get uh, struck out. I think his first at bat. And then just hits that monster shot. And that bat flip, that dude's been doing it, man. That was perfect rotation, great height. Like, that was just perfect situation. He killed it. So, yeah, I'm do that one. That I mean, obviously, the, the Bautista one's a huge one as mm-hmm. well. Like, the Bautista playoff one. Again, a huge moment. Um, if it's a huge moment, you go as big as you need. Like, freaking throw it into the stands and then run backwards <laughs> around the bases for all I care. Just, just do it up, brother. Do it up. 
Outstanding. No, I mean, my favorite was that it wasn't even from the, the handle. He actually went to the middle of the mm-hmm. bat and, gri- and gripped it. So he got that good grip and that perfect spiraling spin. Oh, man, it was, a, it was an epic toss. I love it. So yeah. I'm glad you guys are all on board with me. And I, now I feel we can move on into the, the, the meat and potatoes of the podcast and, and start hitting some Packers stuff because we actually have things to talk about. It's the off season. We're, we're still three weeks away from the draft, but there's there's things going on at 1265. They brought in a free agent for a visit. Um, so Arizona's unrestricted free agent defensive lineman, Rodney Gunter, came in today. Um, hasn't missed a game in the last four years. He's 27 years old. He has eight career sacks, a fourth-round pick in 2015, uh, four-and-a-half sacks this last year. So it looks like he's kind of on the up, the, the rise. Uh, and that kind of seems like that's what Goody's going for, is the younger players that are ascending. So um, – Initial thoughts. I mean, for me, it's interesting to see. Maybe this is a sign that maybe they're not looking for to bring back Mo Wilkerson. But uh, what do you guys think? I'm down with it. I mean, it's it's uh, we before last season. I know I was big on the D line, and obviously they've got talent there with Daniels and Clark, and they had Mo Wilkerson and that, and uh, you know guys like Lowry and stuff like that. Like, and then we we all saw how that went. And I'll probably talk about it later when we start talking about Devin White, but. Uh, you can't have too much depth on the line. I mean, obviously you can because you have a limited roster you're working with. But uh, like you said, Steve, like it's a it's a it's a position that maybe they're maybe kind of looking at. Maybe this means no Mo Wilkerson. Maybe it does. But it is a guy. Maybe they see same thing as the Smiths. They see kind of um, say they see kind of an ascending player that they can get at a decent value at a position that they, that could be very very useful. So uh, yeah, whether it works out or not, I have no idea. Um, but I'm I'm. I'm all in favor. This is late in free agency, especially too. You figure you're not signing guys for big, big money. So this is a piece that could work out for them. I'm, I'm totally on board with them. I'm as well. I, I, you know, you said that you can't have too many pieces along that. It's one of the, you know, the players that play are some of the most injured players in the game because there's just so much that, and just with each other hitting each other just the entire game you know you can never have too many bodies many players down there and I think at this point in free agency probably get him on a relative I don't know if they're looking to bring him in for a multi-year deal but you know even on a one-year deal for him to go be that I would say for the I competes with uh, Dean Lowry for that that backup role um sadly I think it does mean the end of Muhammad Wilkerson um, and I also don't think it means anything towards what they're going to do in the draft. Uh, it's, that's what Gutekunst is doing right now. He's just setting himself to, he's setting himself up to do whatever he wants in the draft, and I don't think this would change anything. So I think the other thing I wanted to talk about today, uh, it seemed like there, there was a big article uh, came out about Mike McCarthy. We'll talk about that in a second. But it was like it was almost like Packers regurgitation day of oh we gotta we gotta go live in the past again. Gotta go live in the past because. <laughs> Uh, today it came out, <laughs> excuse me, that Jordy Nelson uh, is working on a one-day contract with the Packers to retire as a Packer, which is cool. Love that. Great. That's a perfect move. They should right. absolutely do that. And then the news came out that Jordy, uh, Jordy Nelson told um, was on a radio show and said, you know, if Aaron Rodgers called me this summer and said he wanted me to come back, that'd be a really difficult thing to say no to. And everybody lost their mind. Uh, like I, I understand that Jordy Nelson was an intricate part of the Packers for a long time, but sweet Jesus, can we now move on? 
Like it, it was all people were talking about for like three hours. I got off of Twitter because it was so annoying. And maybe I'm maybe I'm the outlier here. You guys, fill me in on your opinions on on Jordy Nelson because I, I think I've had officially had enough of Jordy Nelson coming back to the Packers for real. Well, I saw it, and I my first reaction was just I'm I'm tired. I'm just so like we legitimately just went through this uh, when they dropped. Jordy was like what like three weeks ago or something where people were like legit like they should bring him back man he's got that chemistry and blah 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 blah. like we went through we've already gone through this like recently like within the past month we have gone through this and I thought we were done I was like okay that's you know we got it behind us you're sticking with the young guys maybe you get a guy in the draft um but the you you the Nelson ship has sailed and then it came up again and I was like what is this is this like three weeks ago? Is this did I miss something? It's just we've been through this. I'm just tired. I'm just I love Jordy Nelson. I love Jordy Nelson. I'm just so tired. And at my my first reaction was I'm exhausted. My second reaction is Jordy Nelson, shut your mouth. Just just legitimately just stop talking about this. I don't want to hear it. I again I love him. I just don't want to have these conversations again. He's not coming back. He was great while he was here. He's not coming back. We all just need to live with that. Tyler, yeah, I completely agree. No. It, you know, and it, it's fun to live in the past. It's fun to about team and what he meant to this team and what he meant to Aaron Rodgers. But it's just time to move on, man. You just got to rip the Band-Aid off. Just, <laughs> just move on. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, just, that's all it is. There's, not, there's nothing else to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the fun part is they already ripped it off. They ripped it off. <laughs> they ripped it off over a year ago, and people still are like, ooh, that burned. Like, I... Can we just put the like? I think there's still there's still something there. We could put the band aid back, and it and it still work. It would still work. We ripped it off a year ago, and then we ripped it off again three weeks ago, and now we're ripping it off again. Like this is, I'm just, it's, <laughs> I'm done, man. I've, it's raw. My, I can't do it anymore. So we're all we're we're officially moving on. I love it. I love that we're all in agreement <laughs> that we should move on from Jordy Nelson. Um, big big article came out today. Uh, Mike McCarthy interviewed by Rob Domoski of ESPN. So I know a lot of us took the time to read it. It was all over Twitter. It was all over, you know, sports radio in, in Wisconsin today. So I'm not going to do a deep dive into it because, I mean, it, if you haven't read it, I would tell you to go read it. It's a really yeah. good piece. Um, it really shows the kind of person that Mike McCarthy is. I think, um, you know, there are multiple times that he could have, thrown the organization, thrown Aaron Rodgers under the bus, um, and he didn't do it. Uh, so for me, for me, my biggest takeaway um, was that he said that it was time for both parties to move on. That was my biggest takeaway from everything because, you know, he may not have liked how it happened, and it probably didn't go down the best way in the world. But still, for me, the the class that he showed throughout the entire the piece and learning more about him and his family and things like that. I think it was a really good thing. Um, but I like the fact that he felt too, that, you know, maybe it's just time for everybody. Um, so I'm looking for him next year to be as a head coach. Um, but I just kind of want to get your, your, your big takeaway. Uh, Dusty, what'd you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked it. Um, that was, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, it was kind of teased. This is coming out and, True to ESPN Hot Take Nature, the hot take was um, the quote they lifted from it was um, they could not have handled this more poorly, and so that was kind of the lead into it. The day before this dropped, uh, so it was I guess Tuesday. Uh, that was that was the quote, and it was kind of this like, 
is that taken out of context? How is that taken out of context? I have zero idea. Uh, so I was very eager to read it. And so it came out this morning. I read it this morning. Um, and yeah, it was good. I mean, I didn't, that part when he said that, um, like I, I get it. I think it's still a little raw. And his, his kind of point was basically Murphy called him into his office and he didn't act like they were old friends. He was not like any, I think McCarthy said anytime he let a player go, it was kind of like this look man to man, you know, still kind of try to treat him with respect. And Murphy sounded like he was very kind of cold, um, which McCarthy did not appreciate. And I, I get that. Um, you know, there's a couple things. One of them was McCarthy didn't see the firing coming, which is just preposterous, <laughs> just absolutely preposterous. Um, but also from Murphy's standpoint, it's a you know it's a guy you've worked with closely for a long time. I'm sure that's very very hard. So to have kind of a short, curt conversation about that, I'm sure was maybe in everyone's best interest. Um, so I mean that's that's where that quote came from that I thought was really interesting because that's what I was very curious about. But I mean the rest of it, yeah. I mean he talked warmly about the organization they had at the very end. He had a piece um, I really really liked that was uh, what, what would you say to Lafleur? And he said you know just embrace the city uh, embrace the city you know it's a good locker room there's a bunch of good guys there like like you said steve like he he had chances to take shots and i feel like he got a little couple passive aggressive shots in there but not many like for the most part he handled it very well he handled it like a guy who didn't like that he got fired but understood it and so i think there's still like tiny bit of bitterness there that he kind of washed over um i loved uh my favorite thing and then i'll let tyler go because i'm talking too much um he he has a uh, – I think he's still living in Green Bay, it said. And his home office is just – they had a picture of him. It's all of these playbooks and call sheets from his time in Green Bay. And he's got, like, all this stuff. I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes next year because it sounds like this year he's uh, getting into – like, he's, he's basically looking at everything he's ever done and looking at where the league is going and, and, like, kind of working on that. And so he's got his home office is just set up as, like, a big just – football film review slash analysis section that he's just going to be working through. Like that's his job this next year, which sounds amazing. Like I'd love to, um, I'd love to be in that room with a guy with the mind of McCarthy, just taking a year off from football and going, okay, what has my offense been doing? Where can I get better? Where's Lee going? And really just taking a full honest look at that and kind of see what that process looks like. sounds fascinating to me. And the fact that he's kind of doing that, um, I don't know. It's kind of exciting. I thought that was cool. And the um, conversation that we had with his <clears> wife uh, a couple hours after the firing as well, where he kind of talked to her, she was like, you haven't been happy in a couple of years. Kind of like you said, Steve, like it was kind of like a mutual thing, time for everyone to move on. So it was a, it was an illuminating look at, at a guy that's been in green Bay for a very, very long time. And I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was good. You know, I really, really enjoyed reading it. I did too. And I, I took my, took my precious lunchtime to read this and I was not disappointed. So uh, it, it, it hit home on a lot of things, you know, uh, specifically what you talked about with LaFleur. Uh, I thought that was pretty, pretty strong. And it, it yeah. was a really strong takeaway from that article. Um, and the whole thing with how Murphy handled the, the firing, I, I'm not even surprised that that's yeah. how he handled it. Cause that that's how it came off. And that's how I would perceive Murphy to handle something like that. And it's a little sad that, you know, I, I don't really care as much as some others about the fact that it was done before the end of the season, you know, that's whatever, but to not give him the respect that he probably deserved and to, to kind of let him down easy. I feel like he did deserve that. And, um, Murphy probably botched that part of it, but in the end, it is a business. He, you said, you know, you kind of laughed at it too. How did he not see it coming? 
there's just no way that no. he didn't see it coming. I think he said a couple of times that he thought he might expect it based off the way that the seasons had gone recently. But, you know, he, he probably should have had a more, more of an idea. Uh, even he said, you know, losing a game like that at Lambeau in December, you can't do that. Like no. that just doesn't happen. And he, he probably should have had a little bit more of an idea that it was coming. Um, but overall probably could have been handled better, but Sounds like he's kind of ripped off his own bandaid now, and he's kind of <laughs> moving on, and he's taking a he's taking a step forward, um, and good for him because he's gonna get a he's gonna get a good job next year, and I, I think he's gonna do a good job because he's gonna go back and realize what mistakes he's made and where he can get better, and he is one of the may not feel like it, but he is one of the best football minds and one of the most innovative football minds in all of the NFL. Well, one thing I was curious about that they didn't address is you know after the whole it wasn't handled correctly. Um, I seem to remember that week he was fired, he uh, came back and actually addressed the team the next day. They allowed him back in the locker room to address the team the next day, and then actually was back again two days later. So that, to me, kind of speaks as either Murphy realized that maybe he was a little colder than he should have been mm-hmm. and let him back in, or like something else was afoot. I don't know, but I thought it was really interesting that he kind of mentioned that about how Murphy treated him. And then there was no follow-up questions as far as, like, well, what was it like when you went back in and addressed the guys in the locker room, like, two days after you – you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. they did – there mm-hmm. was that whole thing that week that was not addressed. So I was kind of curious um, what that follow-up was and how his feelings were on that. That didn't get addressed. But that's not not the biggest deal. But I thought it would have been a good follow-up to the uh, to Murphy's perceived coldness, I think. Yeah, I think, for me, one of, one of the bigger parts, too, everybody – there's a lot of people of – you know, it rehashed the, oh, well, they, they didn't show him enough respect and all those things. And if you go back and watch the press conference after that lab, that final game, before, right before he was fired, he was asked, what are you going to go tell this team? Like, what are you going to do to rally this team right now? And his answer was, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you got fired at the right time. I'm all about like it should have been maybe handled a little bit better but like if you don't have an answer to that question then you're you're done you're done you're done you you need (laughs) to take that year and four game break in order to recapture your glory and and go be successful somewhere else so that was my end uh ending rant so we are going to uh transition now because uh, for the Pack Day podcast, we are going to highlight a player or a position for the next couple of weeks, and we have been tasked to tell you all about the inside linebacker from LSU, Mr. Devin White. Um, so, honestly, guys, this guy is kind of crazy. Uh, played inside linebacker at LSU, started, I believe, as a running back, Um recruited as at the very least. I don't know if you ever played, but you definitely recruited as, yeah. Right, recruited as a running back, um, but is just, like, dripping with athleticism. Uh, This is somebody that the Packers, I can't think of the last time they would have had an inside linebacker like this, uh, if ever. So let me me just give you the floor right away. Um, For me, I don't think this, unless they trade up, I don't think he's coming to the Packers. that's just my initial thoughts, but I'd love to hear what you guys initially think when you hear the name Devin White, and then we'll kind of just jump into a little bit of his strengths, his weaknesses, and you know, and we'll we'll end the show on a fun note because the NFL's been screwing some stuff up. But 
let's 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 jump into Devin White. Uh, Tyler, why don't you lead us off and tell him just what do you think of Devin White when you hear that name? Well, it was kind of interesting talking to you guys pre-recording and just kind of getting our own viewpoints on what we think of Devin White and where he's going to be in the draft and just what we think of him as a prospect in general. And um, particularly myself, I'm much lower on him than others. I don't even think I have him in my top 20 on my big board. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Devin White, and like you said, he's dripping with, with athleticism, and that is 100% true. But I feel like if you're taking Devin White, you're drafting the athlete who can mm-hmm. hopefully learn how to play football. Now, he, he has some of the instincts that you're looking for at the inside linebacker position, but he misses too many big assignments or keys or you know whatever you want to talk about as far as what he needs to do in a play diagnosis, play recognition standpoint. He misses too many of those things for me to spend a top 15 pick on him. And I love the upside with him. Don't get me wrong. He can he, he could probably do anything you want him to do at the NFL level from a coverage standpoint. He's already a very effective blitzer. He does have a good sense and a good feel for that. He had the sideline. But we're not talking about a Roquan Smith here. Roquan Smith last year was the entire package. Devin White is half the package. And I think that's kind of my problem with him. Uh, he overpursues plays. He tries to make the big play way too often instead of just making a tackle, you know, and that overpursuing. Um, but those are some of my big problems with him. Uh, I know that you guys are higher on him than I am, but what what are your thoughts of Devin White? I think you're speaking for Steve Taylor. You're not you're not speaking for me. You're not speaking <laughs> for me when you say we're higher than you are. I'm I'm about in the same boat. I, I might might be slightly higher i don't know like he's to me yeah like i mean you hit on a whole bunch of stuff like he's a freak athlete he's a guy that he's a guy that you can dream on like he's got all of the tools every every single like he's a big beefy dude and his speed and his his closing speed is preposterous but there's there's a lot of holes in his game um i actually i read something about and then it kind of informed the way i looked at him after that uh, you know, with with him being recruited and him playing running back uh, as a high school guy, uh, a lot of his reads, it's still almost like he's reading it. Uh, he's reading things as a running back and not as a linebacker. He's not necessarily assignment sound. He's looking for, uh, he's looking at maybe cutback lanes when he should be looking at just, just scrape over and just play your gap, man, because that's, that's your job. Um, so once I read that and I was watching a little more on him, it made a whole lot of sense to me. And I don't know if that's what's going on or not. Um, but he's been playing linebacker, you know, for, uh, three years essentially at this point. Um, so it makes sense. Like he's a guy to me that like, if he puts it all together, like you said, you're drafting the athlete. If he puts it all together, he's going to be insane, but you almost have to like, you almost have to assume it's going to be at least a year. You're drafting a guy that's a project. He's got, he's got holes in his tackling. He's got holes in his assignments. He's kind of, uh, kind of, he'll leave cutback lanes open. Um, or if you'll look at the cutback lane and, and just leave his gap open. Like he's just, he's a little hesitant. He does have good instincts at times, but he's a little hesitant also at times. Like he's a guy that seems like everything should be there, but it's not like in the right situation. I would almost see like first year, man, you're playing like, you know, 20% snaps and then you're a special teamer because the dude would be an absolute freak special teamer. And then hopefully by year two, you've got enough of, of kind of the system and you've got enough of the speed and you've got all that where you can, you can adjust, which again, you can dream on because he's the kind of athlete you assume that he's going to be able to adjust, but you're drafting the guy you hope he will be, which is not what I want at 12. 
at all. So, like, he's if he puts it all together, like, in two years, you could say, you know, you could tell me Devin White's going to be the best linebacker in the league in two to three years, and I believe you. You can also say uh, Devin, line, Devin White is basically the best special teamer in the league that every now and then will come in in certain packages, and that's about it. And I would also believe that. Like, it's... It he's got a super high ceiling, but he also has a super low floor. And I like at twelve, that's a big risk at twelve, man, for an inside linebacker. Like this isn't it's not an outside rush guy; it's an inside linebacker. And Steve, you mentioned you don't know the last time the Packers have had a guy like this. Guys like this don't exist that much for like what he could potentially bring. Like I go back, I might love him more than most. Uh, like Nick Barnett in his prime was an absolute animal, just an animal. And I think Devin White could could be better than that. But he also could be way worse than that. The gap is just huge on him. I, I, I see what you're saying. But, I mean, you can say that about most NFL draft picks. You can say... <sighs> I feel like the floor is lower with him. Really? Some are safer yeah. than others. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're, you're right. Some are safer than others. But when you have a, a ceiling as high for his potential, I mean, I guess I think that is the case of... You're investing in, and hoping that his athleticism. I mean, to me, that it's it's like Jadavian Clowney. Like, um, you're. I know it's a different position. He was the edge, but he didn't have the craziest numbers in the world. But you were banking on that that athleticism to to transfer into the NFL. I mean, for me, the one reason I would like him, like I know he does miss those. Like, the biggest thing for me I, when I read a whole bunch of scouting reports on him, like you guys talked about, was the tackling. Because it seems that he's missing tackling more than he should. Um, and one of the bigger things I read was that he, instead of driving through people, as tr- I think Tyler kind of hit on this, was he tries to make that big play of like lifting mm-hmm. somebody up and throwing them down to the ground as opposed to just making the squared-up tackle, moving on to down to second down, that kind of thing. So, But I think if you if he somehow slides at 12, and then you can pair him next to um, Blake and have those two kind of work together. And, you know, I think to me, if you could get those two together and then let, let Patton just kind of scheme, that would be gold. I, I don't know. Maybe if you guys think that, that that's crazy, but for the, for giving Mike Patton this, this weapon, I think is something that I would love to see. I mean, Petten scheme Fackrell to a double-digit sack here last year. He, I mean, Blake Martinez is one of the top pressure guys, and he's not a pressure guy. Like that's it's. If you're talking Petten, like I get it, I get it. I just like part of me is an inside linebacker with the holes in his game that he has. The value simply is not there. Like if he hits in three years, like maybe this looks dumb. But like Clowney, at the very least, like you figure he's gonna be a demon off the edge. Like, the problem with inside linebacker is if you're not assignment sure, you're going to kill your team. Like, that's going to be an issue. And so if he busts, he busts hard. I just don't think the value is necessarily there, for me anyway. Well, no, and I agree. And specifically inside linebacker, kind of you were just hitting on it. Those instincts and those the, that mental awareness, that play awareness, that play recognition, all that stuff means so much more than it does in any other position. Maybe safety is a close second, and then quarterback obviously is up there as well. But, you know, the point is those mental parts of the game, being assignment sure means so much more for an inside linebacker than they do for any other position. And I'm dropping Devin White on my board because of it. You're 
you're taking way too big of a risk in that area. He has to develop, in my opinion, way too much in that area for me to spend a a premium pick, one that the Packers probably won't experience, I hope, for a while. And you're you're looking at this guy and hoping that he can come in and be a special teamer and maybe be a backup in this first year. I'm not spending a 12, 12th overall pick on that. I'm sorry. Like that's well, just not. Oh, that's what Dusty. Doing. That's what Dusty wants to do. He wants to take the 12th overall pick, use him 20% of the time and then kick him to special teams. Like that's just dumb. I'm sorry. That's that's why you're not a GM in the NFL. Dusty. That's not what I said. That is what you that's, said. You're no, right. I, no, I said, I don't want him at 12, but that's what Devin White is in his first year. I don't want him at 12, but I do think yes. that's what he... Like, I think, too, I think if you look at the Packers' defense, if you look at what they're doing, and this goes back to the Gunter conversation we had earlier, if you look at kind of how that D-line looks, which right now, you know, is um, Clark, obviously, Daniels for at least another year, uh, Lowry, I'm going to say either, you know, Gunter or Wilkerson, uh, uh, Lancaster showed quite a bit last year as well. Um, you've got guys up front that can, you know, they're going to... They're going to tie up bodies. They're also going to hit some of those gaps in the pet and stuff. You need a you need a linebacker behind that. Like White's very good at shedding blocks. I think those bodies up front are going to allow for a few more free lanes, and it seems like they are kind of building that D line a little bit, where you don't need a guy that can shed. Not saying you don't need a guy that can shed those blocks, but I think Devin White, what Devin White's skill set brings, is diminished a bit if you're getting a little if you're getting some free rushers, which Petten is very very good at. And then you have a guy that may be out of position. I just think based on kind of what the Packers have, based on what the Packers are doing, I don't I don't love that. He's like if he fell to him at thirty or something or second round, like that's cool, man. Like I'm I he's not gonna fall that far. I just I don't like him at twelve. Right. I based on based on the way the rest of the round falls, I don't like him at twelve. You guys you guys are very clear you don't want him to the Packers at twelve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's have a little fun to, to end up the, the Devin White conversation. Um, where, where do you think he is going to be drafted? What number? Too high. Tyler, you, yeah, you got a pulse on this better than I do. Tyler. Too high. <laughs> Popular pick right now is to five at Tampa. I, I think he could go anywhere in between there. Oakland could take him as high as four. Um, I think he goes somewhere between four and 11. I don't even think he makes it to 12 personally, and I'm kind of happy because it, ta- it takes that, that ability to make a dumb decision out of Gutekunst's hands, excuse me, and being a little blunt. But, you know, that's just how I feel about it. I don't, I, if, he, if he's sitting there at 12, I, I feel like Gutekunst is going to be really thinking about taking him, and he really uh, maybe should be, but maybe just not at 12. Um, so I think he'll go somewhere from 4 to 11. I think that's kind of his sweet spot, but... All right. I mean, for, yeah, for me, that's uh, everything you've seen is Tampa Bay for the most part because losing Quan Alexander it was pretty big for their defense. So you, you want to assume they're they're most likely looking at an inside backer. So my guess is Tampa Bay. Um, we shall see. It's going to be interesting because he is going to be handed a hat the day that he is drafted. The first round <laughs> draft pick is going to be handed a hat. And I'm sure everybody that's listening and that's on Twitter saw the god awful draft hats i i mean what the hell is going on these things are so ugly the packers hat looks like it was straight out of a a gas station i mean it's just awful and and it's just it's not like it's one of them they're just horrid they are so bad we'll we'll tweet out a couple of the pictures uh, i'm sure you saw it but what were your initial reaction? like there's still a couple weeks new era if you are listening to me right now 
redo it. Redo the whole stock because they all suck. So, guys, guys, I mean, you have to be backing me up on this, right? I had to check to make sure it actually wasn't still April Fool's Day. Uh, <laughs> because, my God in heaven. Like, we were looking at it before the show. Um, and there's, like, the only ones that are halfway decent are the ones that are simple that, like, just don't do anything weird. Like, the Saints is just three fleur-de-lis and two of them are smaller and it's dumb. And the, the Bucks one, good. Like, the, I think my, I got my tie for the last one is the Bucks. Um, which I can't properly describe on this show because it's, I mean, this is, it's clean, right? Like this is, we have to do, yeah, we, we, technically we gotta stay away from clean. the not safe for work. Yeah, I can't. It does look like it's bedazzled. Can I, I cannot properly describe it. And the Seahawks one, which, I mean, listen, listen, we're all Packers fans here, right? We're all Packers fans. So who, the Seahawks are dumb. No one here likes the Seahawks, and no one here likes the twelfth man thing because they stole that from Texas A and M, and then also then they couldn't get it back, and so now they just call themselves the Twelves. The fan calls themselves the Twelve, which is dumb. <laughs> it's like maybe better than G Force, but Packers don't do G Force anymore because that was also dumb. So, and it's just the Seahawk thing, and it says Twelve behind it, and some of them have like thing on the Bills, and some like it's just like stars well, on the Bills, and like this. It's such you know a what it cool... is, right? The common theme is the state flag. I know that, but I feel like you could do but... it better. It's poorly conceived and also a it's bad terrible. idea. What's what's the, the one? Is it the the Texans? Is, what's the the Carolina one? Like legitimately, it's just like four panels on the front of the hat. Yeah, I mean it's awful. <laughs> I'm now yeah. having to Google the Wisconsin state flag to see what the hell they did to. Uh, yeah, that one doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that one just looks like a wave, basically, right? <laughs> yeah, seriously, it I looks like it, it looks like the hats they used to have. And like the the nineteen fifties, that they you know they would just give away because they were so ugly that nobody wanted them. Yeah, the Titans just has like three white stars on the brim, which again is cool. Like it's 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 still not better than their actual hat. It's just not awful. The Bills has red lightning bolts on the brim, which I'll go to bat for. But I'm also, if I'm a Bills fan, I'm just buying a regular Bills hat. The Steelers one is a checkered board. It's like, the same like, a thing with, like the Ravens and the Bears. Those just have their logo yeah. on the front. Like, okay, I'm cool with that. The Colts. Yeah, who, the Colts. Whoever turned those in, whoever turned the Bears one in, was just like, screw it. I'm not doing anything different. This is what we're submitting. It's just exactly our same hat. I like the yeah. Colts one, Steve. I, like no, I don't I think do, it's bad. I don't, I don't like the Colts one. It looks like a little targets on the front. Like, or, you know, like somebody scoping you on the head, and then there's a instead of a red dot, it's a it's the cult symbol. I just picture <laughs> if I would feel comfortable wearing any of these hats in public, and the answer is like even if I was a family's team, it's like no, oh, no, I don't feel comfortable wearing no. any of these hats in public. Yeah, I mean, if, imagine getting drafted. They hand you the hat, you just kind of look at it and say, "Do do I have to put it on?" Like I'll just I'll just hold it with the with the jersey. That's cool, right? It's, man, I look at that Panthers one. Oh, that Panthers one just so dumb. They're all so bad. That's just such a poorly conceived idea. It's like you remember when Maryland redid their helmets a few years ago? Well, college teams just redo their helmets on a weekly basis, and it was a state flag on the side, and it looked dumb because no one should put their state flag, their entire <laughs> state flag, on the side of their helmet. It's like that, but with hats into the newest member of your organization. Why would you do that? No, these were all terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, least favorites. What's your Tyler? What's least favorite? I think <laughs> the Carolina one. It makes no sense. <laughs> um, the Buccaneers is pretty bad though, too. 
It's real. It's it's really boring. This is the problem: is you can't pick just one. So I would say the the Browns (laughs) one is just stupid. Like little stars behind the Browns helmet, dumb. Yeah, true. I think the the Philadelphia one with the weird crap on the brim also ugly. But yeah, I mean nothing. I don't think anything can beat that that brim of the the Buccaneers. That's just. It's so it's so dumb. It's like it's your so mom in the 1980s got a hold of one of your hats <laughs> and was like, "Baby, look what I did for you! I made your hat beautiful." And you're like, "Well, I'm never wearing that again." Yeah, what did you do? I like the the Steelers one. Like legit, just it looks like um, I can't decide if it's NASCAR or like a like a like something a taxi cab driver would wear because it's got like just the the yellow and black checkered and then just a huge thick yellow stripe down the middle. It's the funny thing is that of all of these, the Steelers hat is not even as bad as their throwback uniforms. So it's it's you don't like the bumblebees. <laughs> I do because I hate the Steelers and I like to make fun of them. But I I, I don't. They're not aesthetically. Pleasing. All right, I, so I do not like looking at them. We'll, we'll end this because I think I have just come up with the perfect analogy of what these hats are. These hats are like an eighth grade sewing project. For kids who don't know anything about football. <laughs> like, you know, your home at class and you're in eighth grade and you're like, okay, so your project, your, your final project is design a hat for your favorite NFL team. And like three quarters of the kids are like, what the hell? Like, I don't, I don't watch football. So they just make some weird ass <laughs> stuff on a hat and they turned it in. And then new era was like, like, oh, cool. Our work's done. God, that's, that's. Remarkably good. accurate. That's perfect, Steve. That's perfect. <laughs> it's pretty good. Every, every once in a while, I land on a good one. So, if we can get them for next year, if they can just give the f- number one draft pick like the diorama of the team, <laughs> if they just work that, like then, then we're really in business. We're really cooking at that point. Uh, this is my diorama of Tua Tagovailoa <laughs> throwing a touchdown pass made purely. I made, made a palm tree out of out of, um, out of popsicle sticks. <laughs> I mean, this palm tree out of marshmallows with a toothpick in the middle of it, I I feel like it's inspired. So the Packers would just be a slice of cheese, right? It'd be really easy. It'd be really easy, yeah. <laughs> no, it would be a cheese head made of actual cheese. Oh. I think that'd be... Would it, it could be like a sculpture of the player made out of cheese that someone does it right then with like... Yeah, I mean... I was making fun of it, but now I'm now I'm down for yeah, it. Well, but then they'd have to wait. They'd have to wait until the draft because you don't want your cheese to get sweaty. So just get someone to do it real fast, just like a chainsaw. No, no, no. We, I mean, that's you have to embrace the melted cheese because hopefully the Packers will be picking thirty seconds. So this is is where you live now. Mm -hmm. This is just who you are. Mm -hmm. You just embrace embrace this the melty cheese on your forehead. Just a big, but it's a life size. Just a big, just a big block of cheese. Just a big sweaty block of cheese. Welcome to the team. Here you go. You know, Andy Herman actually sent me onto this podcast this month to try and get you guys set straight, and I failed. <laughs> I mean, we all we love Sarah so much because she's so much fun to be on the podcast with, but I don't think she's she's not reining us in. She just she embraces it, and I think you you know we turned you pretty quickly, Tyler. So you, you yeah, we're really good or really bad, Steve. I can't decide which ones. Which. I'll be curious to see if anybody times us as to how much we didn't talk about the Packers today. But uh, this was all draft stuff, dude. We t- this was all this all related to the Packers. I think we're I think we're still on point. I mean, there was yeah. some bad, there was some bad conversation. <laughs> it was all oh, football related stuff. It was all football yeah. related, though. You know, I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, there's a football team in Philly as well, Steve. So, 
All right, so that'll wrap it up for the Thursday edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. We will be back. This team, again, will be back in two weeks, um, and we will be focusing on running backs. So I'm actually kind of excited because this is a, a pretty deep group of running backs this year, and in all likelihood, the Packers should be taking one unless there's a you know a trade for like a Duke Johnson or something like that, but they should be taking one. So um, this should be fun. We can be able to kind of analyze – what 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 might be for the Green Bay Packers running back wise? Um, you guys have any final thoughts, or are you just ready to get the hell away from me? I would I would very much <laughs> like Duke Johnson. That's all I'm thinking about now. Is I really want Duke Johnson. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that will that will wrap it up for us for the Thursday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, and we'd love to hear. Uh, and please and please uh, at New Era for any of your hat comments i I really want i really want to get that going um but for dusty and tyler i'm steve and as always go pack go shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46 yard line of dallas they empty the shotgun Cobb in motion to the left side rogers looks it over gets the snap back pedals now under some pressure steps up throws it over the middle 30 turns up field 25 cutting right to the 20 it over, starts to his left, now he moves, starts to the right side, snap to A-Rod, looking downfield, being flushed, rolling left, winds up, rainbows it high and deep into the end zone, it's hot, what did it caught? It is caught for a touchdown!